Welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values with Daniel Bobinski of True Idaho News and Uncover DC. Brought to you by conservativesof.com. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values. My name is Daniel Bobinski, editor at trueidahonews.com and host of this show where we explore issues facing our community, our state, our country through the lens of the principles and values that made America the greatest country on this planet. If you've been watching the local news lately here in southern Idaho, you've probably seen some stories about people standing in front of hospitals, waving signs, uh, protesting these mandates that the hospitals have put in place that every employee that every vendor, that every contractor all must receive a COVID jab before September 1st or lose their jobs. Now, I don't know how much local TV is covering that story, but if you've been to trueidahonews.com, I know we've been doing some stories on that, and we just broke a huge story yesterday on that, which we will get to later uh, in the show. But with me in the studio today are two people who've been following this rather closely and have been involved with it some uh, quite a bit, actually. So I'd like to welcome our guests right away, Victoria Stump and psychologist Dr. Lynn Laird. Victoria, thank Hello. you. Thank and you. Lynn, thank you for joining me in the studio. Thank you, Daniel. So we've been uh, kind of talking a little bit offline about how, how much this is just affecting the entire medical community. Uh, Victoria, would you please give us a little bit about your background and what's going on here? Yeah, so once again, I'm Victoria. I actually just had my last shift at the hospital last night. I graduated in 2020 from Point Loma Nazarene with my bachelor's in nursing. And so I've had the opportunity to serve um, in Idaho as a nurse for about a year. And I mean, if you were to tell me that this was something that was going to happen four years ago, I would have said, you're a liar. <laughs> I've wanted to do this my whole life, and it's really heartbreaking. I mean, just given the situation, uh, having to work for this for four years, knowing my whole life that God has put me, this is my mission field. And so, yeah, it's the state of what is going on right now in healthcare is sad for not only the employees, but also for the patients because they are being affected as well. And so you went to four years of school and you spent a lot of money to do that. Um, I know Point Loma is not an inexpensive university. Uh, so you probably in over a hundred thousand dollars in in, um, in in fees that you've invested in four years of your life and a career, and now they're telling you that you have to receive an injection or lose your job. And what's what's troublesome to me is how flippantly our state legislators are saying, "Just get another job." Yeah, I mean, if if we're talking about the whole right to work conversation. If this starts passing in healthcare, it's going to be able to go to every other work industry that there is. And the reality is, is that, yes, it's a right to work state, but we have to maintain our liberties. We live in America. And if that is not upheld and that is not kept, we are going to be compromising a lot more than just our jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Lynn, you've been doing some research into that. Uh, about the liberties and the, and the right to uh, inf- have informed consent. Can you fill us in on some of the stuff you've been researching? Well, I've been 
more trying to make connections with the legislature and the legislators. I had set up a meeting at the end of June with several legislators and had people from various industries, a lot of nurses, um, also people from Albertsons, because Albertsons was having similar sorts of issues. A lot of the various employers throughout the state are putting forth different mandates about, you know, you have to get the shot or you, you still have to wear the mask. And so there was a lot of concern even over that because people were feeling separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was before the hospital systems put forth their, their mandates. And even the nurses at that point were like, we have to have a sticker on our, on our name badge to separate us from those who have had their shots. And so I saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, um, but it really smacked me across the face when I saw Simplot had put up a, a notice on their, their door saying that all employees and contractors or whatever by, I think, June 15th were supposed to show proof of vaccination, quote vaccination, or have a negative COVID test. So anyways, I set up a, a meeting with some legislators so that they could hear the the concerns of the people. And what kind of response did you get? It's been varied. It depends on, at, at that particular meeting, most of the legislators listened. I actually did get a response back from Chuck Winder, um, who I think we're going to talk about here in a little bit, saying that he appreciated the meeting and that um, he was able to see it from a different perspective. Didn't say he would do anything, but he said that he did see a, a, do, a new perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that that at least kind of got him thinking uh, about the situation. Well, and this is interesting because on, uh, I believe, mid-July, the the state Senate issued a statement on the uh, COVID vaccine requirements. And uh, they said that uh, individual liberties must be protected to ensure Idahoans are able to work and provide for their families. And yet... Um, we're not seeing them take any action to do that. It sounds like a lot of words, but not a lot of action. And I, I would agree because my my conversations again with some legislators are, are absolutely you know we we need to keep our individual liberty, but the ones who seem to hold the power are basically like you said very flippantly. You can just get a new job. We we don't want to interfere with business. We we don't want to tell businesses what to do, and that just doesn't fly. Mm. Let's let's go back to Victoria because you you did you spent four years of your life and hundreds of thousands of dollars to to get learn this trade. This is not just a, a skill that you can take anywhere. This is a very specific career. Mm-hmm. So you told me you, you just said that you you just quit your job, and you started an organization to try to push back against this. Tell us about this organization. Yeah, so I'll just start with that. I I've always been a passionate person, and um, I will not cry. <laughs> Um, but I, I knew God was preparing something and I didn't really know what it was just like outside of my job. Like there's something bigger that I need to speak to. And so when these mandates came out, I was like, well, I'm just going to make a Facebook group and I'm going to get, you know, my unit of people that I I worked in the ER. I'm going to get those people representation, support, whatever I can offer. Um, and the group started with 11 members, and now we have 8,600 members. Wow. And so that's just our Facebook group. Um, but it's the organization is called Take a Stand Now. We are a nonprofit. We have gotten up and running within a few weeks. Um, 
We have a website. It's, you, you have over 8,000 people on in just a few weeks. Yeah, so that's just on the, the Facebook platform. But our website is takeastandnow.org. Uh, we have thousands on there as well that have been getting plugged in. Uh, but I, I really did start this, you know, for um, some just some support from to give to people. Um, and there's some other uh, key people that have been that also started something on their own. And we've kind of just joined forces because mm-hmm. we have to be united on this. We have to stand together. And so, yeah, this is <laughs> I guess this is what I've been asking for for years from God. Um <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be doing this or that I would have to be in a position where I have to resign. Here and you resigned because you did not want to be forced to receive this COVID jab. Yeah. So there's a few things. When I started this, I, I became very outspoken on radio shows, online, on Facebook. And I quite literally had a target on my back. I started getting thrown under the bus by people that are higher up than me in the at the organization I worked at. And... I did not feel comfortable, like I knew at one point they were going to fire me for another reason than not getting the COVID shot. Mm. And so I needed to put myself into a position where I'm protected. And right now that looks like me resigning and me being able to fight with all of my other people. <laughs> for, quite, in, for individual liberties. Yeah, like quite literally, I was speaking to um, a single mom, a Christian woman. And she's like, I feel like I cannot do anything. I'm single mom. I live on my own with my son, who's a year old. And I was like, you are the person that I'm like, that we're doing this for because she can't speak up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're a nurse, you're a trained nurse, four years, you got your bachelor's in nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, at issue, at the core issue here is the concept of informed consent. Yes. And some people don't understand what that means. Could you mm-hmm. explain for our listeners what informed consent means? Yeah. So I will just give the example. Um, in the ER, we do lots of different procedures and we give medications all the time in any field of whatever specialty you are in. And... The example that somebody had given was, you know, you come in for a heart attack and part of our intervention is to give you 324 milligrams of aspirin. It's four times the, you know, baby aspirin dose. And if you do not feel comfortable, like if you tell me right now, I do not, I cannot take the aspirin. I can, I say, okay, what, what are your reasons? And you say, um, I'm just not sure about it. Uh, right now, I don't really feel comfortable taking it. I can give you the information of, you know, why on a physiological level, why you need the aspirin. And the doctor can do so as well. And we can explain, you know, this. these are the risks. These are the benefits. Here are the alternatives. That's essentially what informed consent is. We are talking any medical procedure, any surgery. Here are the risks, here are the benefits, here are the alternatives, and this is what will happen if you choose to not. And so if you were my patient, I would say, I honor you, I respect you, and I simply, on our medical documentation, I put patient refused. And so there is the notion of informed consent and informed refusal. Mm-hmm. And I offer that, and all of the medical providers and professionals offer that, every single day with mm-hmm. our patients. Mm-hmm. And I give it to people. I have to deliver the same care 
regardless of if you want an aspirin or not. Mm-hmm. And this touches even more. I had a patient last week. She passed away. And it was for a religious reason that she did not want to receive blood products. And all I was thinking is, you know, a few units of blood would save your life. That's all I was thinking in my head. And I, I was, my heart was crying, but I couldn't outwardly cry. But I still had to deliver my care. I still had to give her the option to refuse. And the whole issue is that we as nurses and medical providers and vendors and contractors, we are not being given the consent or refusal that we offer freely to our patients. Mm-hmm. It's about rights yeah. and responsibilities. Yeah. So there's always consequences to our choices. And as adults, as free adults in a free society, we have the right to make those choices mm-hmm. with inform and with information so we can make those choices and, and deal with the consequences of our choices. But that, I think that's the key of what we're talking about here. Now, I, I want to step in here and address an issue of definitions um, because this is a, a, a kind of a, a pivot point for me uh, when they started calling these injections vaccines. And I'm just going to refer to the CDC's website. So this is supposed to be the gold standard. And the definition of a vaccine, and I'm reading here, a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease, protecting the person from that disease. So that's what a, that's what a vaccine is supposed to do. It's supposed to stimulate the immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease, word for word, protecting the person from that disease. When these shots were first uh, talked about, and uh, Anthony Fauci and the uh, whole uh, crew were up there talking about what these, these injections were going to do, they told us, this will not prevent you from getting uh, COVID. All these are going to do is, is lessen the symptoms of COVID. And the, the whole purpose of this whole lockdown stuff was to prevent overwhelming the hospitals. That was the selling point as to, we're going to shut down for 14 days. So that we, we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. We're going to flatten the curve to prevent an overwhelming. So that's what these injections are supposed to do is simply allegedly uh, prevent the, the intensity of a disease should you get uh, COVID. But they do not do what a vaccine does by definition of the CDC. And so um, when I talk with doctors, and I've had doctors contact me uh, as, as, as editor of True Idaho News, I've had doctors contact me and ask their, their names not be disclosed, but they're sharing with me their perspective, saying these are not vaccines. These are uh, genet- genetic therapy, I believe is the term that they use. It's an mRNA, a, a uh, messenger RNA injection, and it does not do what a vaccine does. So as a policy for TrueIdahoNews.com, we do not use the word vaccine because they don't fit the definition of one. And that is just an issue that I wanted to bring out. Uh, but now let me bring out something else. This is a story we just broke yesterday. Uh, and that is that we think we found the smoking gun as to why these hospitals are implementing these mandates. And that is uh, OSHA. On July 6th, uh, OSHA put out these rules that hospital employees must have protective equipment. And 
the hospitals must mandate that everybody follow all these special PPE rules and procedures, and they need to hire a person to oversee this plan. And it, it's uh, very comprehensive, except that if you're quote unquote vaccinated, then you're exempt from these rules. And the fines for noncompliance are rather substantial, over $13,000 per incident. And if, re- if there's repeated incidents, those fines go to $136,000. So to me, uh, and this is what the doctors are telling me privately, is they believe that the hospitals are implementing these mandates to avoid the fines. And uh, so July 6th was when OSHA came out with this. And uh, before we went on the air, uh, Victoria, you were telling me, when did the hospitals issue their mandates? Uh, two days later. Two days later. <laughs> yeah, July 8th. It's kind of a smoking gun. It's like they were just following line. And so here's OSHA, who is a non-elected body, creating what is what amounts to law uh, that these hospitals must follow or receive huge fines. And so now they're, they're just trying to cover their tush and their financial pocketbook by making it mandatory. Your thoughts on that? It's actually been a concern of mine for some time, uh, especially just watching the Biden administration and the, the big push on the federal level. And, and I've always kind of wondered how they would do it. And I, I sort of suspected they would do it in some way through the businesses. Um, and uh, did not see this one, though. Uh, just didn't see that it would be coming through the hospital systems. I figured it would start with travel, um, you know, airlines and things like that. Because the, it, it, it looks really bad if your government forces people to receive medical treatments. And so if they can push and pull um, through these various agencies like OSHA, or TSA, you know, things like that, where they, they have this control over such a wide variety of people that essentially, eventually, it will get done mm-hmm. without the government actually And the ripple effect it. of all this is like what happened with Victoria. You, you quit your job because you didn't want to deal with this uh, mandate injection. And this is not, uh, you're not an isolated case. This is happening a lot. Our hospitals are severely understaffed at the moment. In fact, uh, I've been told that some hospitals are now uh, reducing their services because of lack of staff. Yeah, so I wanted to touch on your point really quick. When we were when you were talking about, you know, you didn't really know in what manner this would be done in. I've been looking up different quotes and different people from different time periods about this. And I found something, and I'm just going to read it really quick. Um, It's from Armando Valderez, and he was arrested in Cuba. He's a poet. He was an activist. But he said, And sometimes your freedom is not taken away at gunpoint, but instead it is done one piece of paper at a time, one seemingly meaningless rule at a time, one small silencing. And that's what I feel like is being done. It's not through, we're not having guns held to our head yet to make a decision. Um, It's being done through things like OSHA that Mm -hmm. are affecting us, um, affecting our livelihood. But to speak to staffing, (laughs) I've only been a nurse for a year. Um, I didn't know what a full staffed unit looked like. I frankly have only worked in a fully staffed unit probably a handful of times. 
I didn't know that the floor that I started on was supposed to have a certain amount of CNAs and nurses. <laughs> like, it, there's been a few handful of times that this has happened, um, that we've actually had a staffed unit that the ner- the patients were actually given the care that they deserve. And so we already have a staffing problem. We already have a nursing shortage, as they say. And we are being paid. I mean, when I was working for the organization, I could make a day's, a week's worth of pay working one overtime shift. Mm-hmm. I would get my overtime and then I'd get an extra $25 tacked on to my hourly pay. We would be told, you know, like, I mean, convincing text messages like, hey, Christmas is coming. You need to come work. Like, we have, we're in the black today. We have no staff. We have nothing. And it it ultimately, it makes a very unsafe work environment. I sit there sometimes and I'm like, am I going to be able to keep my nursing license? Because I'm running with my head cut off trying to go from patient to patient and there's people dying and there's people that just come in for a stub toe and that's fine. But I'm running around with my head cut off and I know that other people are too. And I know that staffing is a real issue. So why are you implementing this shot? and saying that it's mandated, you're gonna lose your job when this is already a fire that has been burning for years. It's, it's confusing to me that the hospitals are being so obtuse with this. Um, I, as I said, I've been in contact, other doctors have been in contact with me and I, they actually uh, took screenshots of emails that the hospitals have sent out saying, hey, we're, we're concerned that uh, uh, people who are applying for work are turning down our offers and the travel nurses have decided to take work elsewhere can you help us out with maybe provide housing for somebody in our expensive housing market? And and I've seen the, the uh, emails saying, well, we'll pay you an extra X amount per shift if you work an extra shift. And and you're right. We're, they're putting out, out all this money and making all these efforts. And it's like they don't even see that it's their own actions that are causing people to leave. And, I mean, they have gone on record multiple times. Um, the CEO of Primary Health specifically said we're not concerned about our staffing. Why are we con- you know, in, 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 I'm quoting, I'm not going to quote directly, but I have it on my email. Like he's openly to the public said, we're not concerned about it yet behind closed doors. You are having people work 16 hour shifts and you are crying for people to show up at the door to work. And so they are portraying something to the public that oh we've had this pol- we've had a policy in place for vaccines for 10 years so we don't have a we don't have a concern with staffing but what's actually happening with the people on the inside is a completely different story and that needs to be spoken to and that needs to be brought to the light um because they are very choosy with what they say Two of the major hospital systems say that overwhelmingly there's all these COVID cases and all of these um, people being hospitalized. And West Valley said, yeah, we have a lot of people being admitted, but it's not all COVID. And so they're really picky and choosy with their words because it's not truth. (laughs) And they have to expect that people aren't going to look into this. Uh, But all three of us sitting at this table and the thousands that are in support of taking a stand are trying to bring this to light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want to add another thought on top of that. So with with those shortages, I I think you already alluded to it, but 
you're really putting your patients at risk and more errors will be made in that system and those that could end up with life-altering impacts or even death. Yes. And and then on top of that, uh, one of my major concerns, especially as a psychologist looking at this from a mental health perspective, and it comes back to what you are talking about earlier with when you were talking about that, that single mom mm-hmm. with the one-year-old, regardless if you're a single parent uh, or w- what your status is in life, uh, this situation is causing an incredible amount of mental distress for people. And I, I would put money on the fact that if this goes through with the hospitals or other businesses, we will see a huge spike in suicides. And I'm, I'm particularly concerned about a particular senator who is one of those who's been quite flippant in his conversations with me about people can just get another job. And for somebody who for nine years has been on the Idaho Council on Suicide Prevention, I, I find that to be, I don't want to be overstating it, but it certainly appears to be hypocritical. Um, if, if he is concerned about people's lives, then he needs to take a really hard look at the impact of the inaction uh, on his part as well as his um, fellow senators. It, it is a major concern. Unfortunately, ladies, we are out of time. And uh, we could probably spend, um, you know, another two hours talking about the intricacies of this. Um, But we do have to go. Lynn, Victoria, thank you very much for joining us today in studio. Thank you. Thank Um, you, Daniel. And this is Daniel Bobinski with the Voice of Conservative Values. If you want to read more on what's going on with this stuff, you can go to TrueIdahoNews.com and read about these stories. And, of course, Get in contact with uh, the group uh, Take a Stand Now. You have a Facebook page. Yeah, just go to our website, takeastandnow.org, and you can find all of our resources and other links. Okay, awesome. Thank you, ladies. Um, Again, this is Daniel Bobinski, Voice of Conservative Values. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We'll catch you next week at the same time. Until then, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Conservative Values. If you'd like to support this broadcast and Conservatives Of in the Treasure Valley, you can do so at conservativesof.com. Freedom can only be maintained by a prayerful, informed, vigilant, and engaged citizenry.